from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? Ross, Hipsters Glasses Martin, on assignment in Indianapolis, checking out the the, uh, the Al Jazeera reports on Peyton Manning and the HGH allegations. Right. But making his way all the way down here from Thornton, we got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Nice to be podcasting again. Uh, it's been a while since we were here. Uh, nice to be at Jake's Food. Not food. Ugh! Sports and Spirits. I did that earlier tonight, too. Um, and, uh, Nate, we have a, another special guest. We do indeed. Joining us from Denver Stiffs and from the world, Andrew Feinstein. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. You know, it's, it's nice when Ross goes on assignment because I actually get to pick up a CSG shift every now and then. Yes, I so, know. Yeah. Yeah. I've been overdue. You're, you're like Jay Leno. You're the fill-in. Ross has some, uh, some juicy tidbits he's been uh, texting us about that he's picked up on his reports on Peyton Manning, so we'll have to well, I, definitely get those on air at some it, point. I, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to knowing, you know, if he talked to the guy who immediately recanted his story. After he uh, like six months after, ago. This, after the thing came out, so <laughs> Paul Klee, I think had the best write up uh, in Denver on it. He had a tremendous write up in the Car Springs Gazette, but it was it was awesome. Uh, so anyway, we are at Jake Sports and Spirits. Andy, tell us what goes on here on Wednesday nights. Well, if it sounds if it sounds a little raucous behind us, it's because every Wednesday night we do rock and roll bingo. So you combine rock and roll and you combine bingo oh, and you wow. throw in fifty cent wings. It's a hell of a night. So we got a packed house here on the other side of the curtain. Can you dress up for this? You can this dress night? up. You can right. dress up. Jeff's actually the you know Jeff is the rock and roll connoisseur. Well, I got the Although, Zeppelin shirt. I just yeah. noticed we got a little Beatles going on the here. Beatles, and he doesn't Timmons. like the Beatles. I hate the Beatles too. Why do you have a Beatles what? shirt? You don't like the Beatles. My dad went to their show in what? Vegas and got us all Beatles sweatshirts. They have a couple good songs. I Dear guess. Prudence, top ten song. It's really good. Uh, yeah. And then we got we got the King himself wearing a Led, Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin shirt. shirt. So, uh, Every white suburban kid liked Led Zeppelin yes. back in the 90s. And you got three white suburban kids here. <laughs> yes. So, yes. And let's start out. I want to talk a minute about, about the Cavs game from December something date. Nuggets Cavs. Last night. As in last yeah. night? Yeah. Yes, but people listen to this three days from now will be like, that wasn't last night, you jackass. Yeah. But Andy, December you, 29th. You'd posted some tremendous shots on uh, social media, very up close and personal with King James. Do you have any. Anything special you can share with us from around the Cavs bench area that you picked up on throughout the night? Well, I was very fortunate. I did get to sit in the first row right behind the bench. It was interesting. Uh, you know, you always see a dynamic there that you just don't catch on TV. LeBron never, ever sits in the huddle, except for maybe once or twice. He sat on the scores table hmm. in front of the Cavs broadcasters, doesn't listen to David Blatt, at all? Wow. And spends a lot of the huddles talking himself, and everyone listens to him and defers to him. And there's no confusion <laughs> who the leader is and who they defer to. And it's not that he and Blatt have some weird relationship. I'm not trying to start any rumors. I don't think there's anything, you know, testy going on there. But there's just no confusion. LeBron James is the leader of the team, and he doesn't sit with the team. He sits on the scores table. But he's a guy's guy. I mean, he's high-fiving him. He's joking with him and all that. But he does not sit in the huddle. Interesting. Had it been a close game, do you think he would have been in the huddle? Like, was he just on cruise control? or that just? You know what? It was an interesting game. I think the Cavs were up, what, 10 at half? And they basically traded baskets the entire second half except for some garbage time. You know, I think the line on that was probably a nine and a half points. I think and it was six. It was it was six. No the way the 
line was six. Really? Yeah, I think it was, it was. I think it was six, and the Nuggets won by uh, the, the Nuggets lost by six. But I thought I was going to say if you had six bet the if you had bet the over, you'd be pissed because of those garbage time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, 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 that to me was the dynamic that really stood out to me was how LeBron. Um, he's almost on, he's an island unto himself. He, he's just he's just in a different stratosphere and doesn't have to sit in the chair with everybody else. He gets to sit where he wants. Was there I, any- and by the way, real quick, I've never seen. You know, I don't always get to sit in those seats, and thanks to my friend Ryan Mordecai, I get to occasionally. But um, you know, I, 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 I can't think of another star that's that literally sits to the side of his teammates, doesn't sit on the bench with everybody else. <laughs> well, he's got a bad back. Well, it's interesting how how he does that because he's is he the only person with power in this league to be able to do that? Basically, uh, basically yeah. do what he wants. Durant could probably do that. Oh man, I don't even know if Durant could do that. Billy Donovan, do whatever he wants. Dude, he's got that franchise. In a, this season, he uh, could because he got him on a stranglehold. That's true. But Andy, there was also a uh, a former power forward sitting somewhere close to you over there, wasn't there? Interesting observation again. So at the end of the Cavs bench, sitting in the stands on the court side, which I guess you'd call them. What do you call those? The basket side, court side. Yeah. Was Carlos none other than former Cleveland Cavalier Carlos Carlos Boozer, the man who stabbed a blind man in the back. Um, <laughs> And he was sitting there, and it's weird because Carlos Bruiser. I mean, I should look this up. He's probably what? He can't be that old. Is he thirty-five? He's not that old. He's somewhere around. And he's there. and yeah, he's sitting there, cool. and he's an unrestricted free agent, hanging out two rows away from a team that he's had nothing to do with for fifteen years. Do you think that maybe he was in town? Is he friends with LeBron? LeBron had his, his birthday today. I don't know if they're still today? friends. Or, yeah, you know what? Maybe he was in town for LeBron's birthday. Might have been. But why would he be in? Yeah, why would he be in Denver? You're right. Yeah. I think that. LeBron may have gone out in Denver for his birthday last night. That's it's very interesting. You know who was uh, who else was there last night? Uh, Mr. Chauncey Billups at yes. half court. At half court, and he had like his entire family with him because they were in the hallway after the game. Yep. Yeah, and they oh, were like uh, cool. dabbing up with, uh, not dabbing on him like uh, Cam Newton does, but he, they were uh, definitely there was a mutual appreciation society going on in the press lounge after the game. And seeing seeing Billups, I mean, he went over and talked with Stan Kroenke with Josh Kroenke. At some point in time, it, it feels like, I don't know if the Nuggets have approached him about a job. I've, I've heard rumors here and there, but it seems like it's still a friendly relationship to where just bring that guy into the fold somehow, right? Well, those seats Chelsea he Phillips. was in, so those seats, which are dead center courtside, those are the Cronky seats. I thought those were Peter Burns' seats. I think those are, <laughs> I think those are the Cronky seats. <laughs> I think they and, are. And uh, I, I just think that, to your point, they should bring Chauncey back in the fold. We talked about this before the show tonight. I see Chauncey what I call the godfather role. You know, I don't know if you're going to necessarily want Chauncey wheeling and dealing and playing poker against other GMs. He's not going to get on a plane and go to a high school gym in Bosnia like Tim Connolly and Arturis and the entourage are going to do. But talk about an eye for talent. Talk about a guy who played in the modern era at the highest level. I think having Chauncey around would be invaluable. You know, the, the Nuggets still are missing a little bit of a culture issue there. They're getting close. I think Malone's doing a great job of getting the culture where it needs to be. Yeah. But Chauncey would help that a lot. Gravitas is a word you guys like to use well, I've, have used before. There is not a single uh, player uh, who has ever come through Denver who has more respect than Chauncey Billups. That's right. Not, not a single one. They, everyone loves him. And LeBron, even at one point, uh, we saw this um, when we were up in the press box, LeBron was uh, like woofing it up with uh, Chauncey after he made a three pointer in a good natured way. It was like it was like smiling at him. I can't him. believe you disparage Mark Randall and that 
that bald guy that also played at Cherry Creek, Michael something. He played Michael for like, Ruffin? the Wizards. Ruffin, yes. Dude, Michael he was Ruffin. my accounting teammate in high school. Was really? he there last night? No, but they're oh. just they're Colorado basketball look, guys. Look, tremendous players. Tremendous Colorado basketball players, <laughs> rivals, famous Jewish sports heroes. It's a very, <laughs> and I can say that because I'm Jewish, it's a very short list. What about Jay Humphreys? Oh, Bart. <laughs> no, no, no. He went to see you, but he's, like, not, from, well, he's not from I'm right not about guys. Like, you remember uh, Yahoo Sports? I think it was Ball Don't Lie. One of them had like the top five, or the top, the starting five of every city. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. They literally skipped Denver. Yeah, that's right. Because you was can't the, fill yeah. it out. Yeah. Chauncey would be your point guard. Joe Barely Cares would be your center. Joe Carroll. Yeah. I guess you get Tom Chambers because he's from Boulder. He's your power Tom forward. Tom Chambers is from Boulder? From Boulder. He's outstanding. Fairview High School. Lou Amundsen? Uh, well, hold on. And then your two guard would be who? Uh, Pat Garrity, uh, Michael Ray Richardson, maybe. That boy could ball. He was awesome. Um, and who am I missing? Uh, Mark Randall? Mark Michael Randall. Ruffin? It's a thin list, man. Yeah. It's a thin list. Yeah, yeah it is really. We're probably thin. missing like a couple really good players. Right? Don Cheadle. <laughs> Don Cheadle. <laughs> Pam Greer. Michael Winslow. <laughs> the sound effects guy? Yeah. Really? He's yeah. a Denver guy? Yeah. Oh, man. Thomas Jefferson High School. And I also didn't know that, uh, I mean, it makes sense that J.B. Bickerstaff, Houston Rockets head coach, went to East High School. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I got to give Bernie Bickerstaff credit for this. Well, he, I, 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 it's a redundant question. Who's the best Lakers coach of the last four coaches? <laughs> it's Bernie Bickerstaff. He was 4-1. and one. That's true. Denver Stiff's Lifetime Achievement, uh, Hall of Fame Achievement Award. It's Bernie Bernie, Bernie was an okay coach. I mean, his players didn't respect him, but he was an okay rookie. He was like Chip coach. Kelly. Yeah. Bernie the GM killed Bernie the coach. Yeah. Oh, man, you're right. <laughs> Chip well, Kelly. I mean, you, know, you know, before Andy and I descend this into a 90s Nuggets discussion. Um, <laughs> which we can do. Which we can do. Yeah. <laughs> We're close because I do have some topics. We'll discuss it. We'll get right into all Okay, good. Um, but... It's it's funny, and we're talking about uh, players from from Colorado, but we're coming back to Chauncey. Chauncey is the most one of maybe not only in Colorado, the most respected player in the NBA. I, there is not a guy who has more like just mutual like guys love him kind of respect than Chauncey Billets, Kobe. and it's like kind of having that kind of asset on your your organization has to be a must, right? Can I tell you why I think that is? Because Chauncey was. He can relate to every possible type of NBA player. Mm-hmm. He was the third overall pick in the draft and was a total bust. Yep. He got traded in his rookie year. Yes. Okay. He played for, what, five teams? Or, or, I'm exaggerating probably. He played for three or four teams before settling in Minnesota. And he was playing. It was like his last contract, basically. Flip Saunders, yeah, Kevin Garnett. Boston, Toronto. Orlando, Denver, Denver Orlando, Minnesota. Minnesota. You know, he, he was a no. He went from being a somebody to a nobody quickly. So that's a guy that like the Michael Bennett's of the world can relate to, or Anthony Bennett, sorry, uh, the Anthony Bennett's of the world can <laughs> relate Bennett to. Too, yeah. um, and then, uh, and then he ascended to being an absolute stud all star and an NBA champion, which a lot of guys obviously can relate to. And then he kind of descended into a bench role player kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and he's literally lived every variation of an NBA player. He's had his humble pie. God, he's been true. at the top of the mountain. So how many guys can you say that about? That's, a, that's remarkable. That's remarkable. Let me ask you this. I'm, a, I'm sorry. He has a storied NBA career. It sounds I, was, I was just thinking, thinking about the Billups trade when the Nuggets got him. Which just one? On a, uh, Which the, one? The, 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 the second one. <laughs> okay. Um, I was just, man, if, the, if, if Antonio McDyess doesn't insist on being bought out. 
in that trade, was that would that change things for the Nuggets that year? Wait, 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 wait. McDice? What did that have to do with the Iverson-Chauncey trade? No, Yeah, because McDice, McDice came with that trade. The, the Nuggets bought him out, remember? Oh. He didn't want to play here. That was, was that part the of the thing. Sam trade? And it was the it was, it was Iverson, a, it was Iverson Billups, Billups McDice, McDice, Chick Sam, Chick Sam, yeah. whatever his name was, yeah. And and McDice, from what I've you know been told, and there's the, the pretty right. substantially good. He was like, I don't want to play there. I, you, you traded me twice. I'm done. All right, I remember that. If McDice comes here, I mean, does that change that year for the Nuggets? Because he was still a he good plays player here. Yeah. I would think only positively. Yeah. Does it? Well, I mean, do they beat the Lakers? Oh wow! No, I'll tell you why they don't beat the Lakers. That was Kobe at his apex. Man, he uh, went ham in that series. Yeah, you had a flaw in fucking no, Anthony no, no, Carter. No flaw. No flaw. No flaw. This was no 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 Dante Jones. Yeah, this is Dante Jones. Oh yeah, and Dante Carter. Jones and Anthony Carter. Yeah. Here, can I tell you why? And I'm going to pick on my favorite guy to pick on. You, you're not going to win a championship when Carmelo Anthony is your best player. When Carmelo Anthony yeah. morphs into his Paul Pierce role about four years from now, maybe you can win a championship, but you can't win a championship when he's your best player. I'm sorry. That's why we're like, Billups was basically Denver's best player that year, and that's where I thought they might have had a shot, you know, because Billups was that good. Oh, but, they were a better team. But than as I wrote about in my way too many words, Kobe Bryant 20-year column last week, Kobe rope-a-doped us. I mean, they basically played us even for... Four and a half games, and then the half second half of game five, which yep. was tied at halftime, he obliterates us, and then they, they obliterated us in game six in Denver. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't even close. And if you're Carmelo Anthony, if you even have a morsel of courage, how do you allow that to happen on your home court? It's embarrassing. Yeah, very true. I agree with that. Embarrassing. And then uh, even I'm not saying the Nuggets. Sorry, I'm not saying the Nuggets should have won that game, but to lose. Well, no, they lost the way by they lost something. It's it, was, it was embarrassing. Yeah. My favorite part about, well, not my favorite part, but Bill Simmons had written that Nuggets article where he had like I think five or six incorrect factual statements throughout his article, and he called Dante Jones a bench player. Like, right. yeah, he came off the bench. So I had tweeted out that no, in fact, Dante Jones started 71 out of the 76 games he played. He started every single playoff game. And Dante Jones retweeted it on Twitter. It was awesome. Oh, did he? It's like Dante Jones must have been searching his name and found that tweet. You know, it's funny. I love Dante that, Jones. That season was a year after the whole fire George Carl debacle. And I wrote that George Carl deserved coach of the year that year. For them to lose Marcus Camby, for them to trade Iverson for Billups, and you could argue the time that Iverson was quote, unquote, more talented, whatever. To start Dante Jones in the two, have a $900,000 Birdman yep. as your eighth man, to have a rehabilitated, physically rehabilitated Kenya Martin Nene and win 54 games and push the Lakers like that, that was George Carl's opus. Yeah, that, was to good. me, was more impressive yeah. than, than what he did in Seattle. Um, oh, really? But uh, just like I said, I don't know if you can win a championship with Carmelo as your best player. I don't think you can win a championship with George Carl as your head coach. I just don't think – I love George, but I don't think George is a – so since we're since we're talking about George, I want, to, I want to bring this up and see if you guys see what you guys thought about this. I was just looking the other day when when the Nuggets were in San Antonio. There was a great picture with Michael Malone and Doug Moe uh, that I believe Tim Gelt took after one of the games. Yeah. Phenomenal picture. I'm looking at Mike D'Antoni goes to yeah. to Philadelphia as an associate head coach. George Carl probably not very long for this Sacramento Kings job. Whether he finishes out the year, two years, I don't know. Would George Carl be a guy that you would want to see the Nuggets bring in here to be before, like an offensive coordinator of sorts for Michael well, Malone? Well, all right. Before we answer that question or even entertain that question, <laughs> let me tell a quick story. Um, 
So uh, George gets the job in Sacramento last year. I think he coached 29 games, Jeff, if memory serves. 29 games. He should have held out for that Wizards job. Yep. Yes. Or the Pelicans job. Uh, George, um, George is in San Antonio with the Kings last year. And George being George, give George credit. He tries to be creative. He calls on his friend and mentor, Doug Moe. To come in, yep. Doug Mo goes to every Spurs game and watches every Spurs game. He lives in San Antonio. Yeah. So George brings Doug Mo, who Denver Stiffs is named after. The hell is a bog. To come in to the to the coaching meeting and says, George Carl says to Doug Mo, he's like, Doug, you know, you watch the Spurs, you know the Spurs better than anyone. Tell me, how can we beat the Spurs? And <laughs> Doug Mo looks at George and his these wide eyed coaches, like, oh my god, Doug Moe's here. And Doug Mo looks at all and goes, Are you fucking nuts? You got no chance of beating the, beating the Spurs. <laughs> And that's Doug. That's classic. okay. To answer your question, um, and this is why I'm shocked about the D'Antoni thing in Philadelphia. There is no way George Carl will be an assistant coach five years from now. No way. Six years from now. <laughs> no way. Ten years. He's, from he's now. either he's either he's either a number one or he's nothing. Well, this Jeff, is, what do you think? No, this is the thing. I'm, Would you have said that about Doug Moe, though in the '80s? Did he ever but come across as a guy that would accept that role? Well, Nate, Nate's point is, I think a decade passed from his Philadelphia yeah. flame out to being an assistant he coach. He coached, what, two years in, in Philly? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. What, 91, maybe 92, 93, somewhere around there? It was yeah. brief. 92, 93. And he comes back to Denver in 2006 yeah. or 2006, seven? so there was like 14 years. Insisted on the Nuggets signing Earl Boinkins or he wasn't going to stay yeah. on as coach? Yeah, well, although Doug Moe did draft Chris Jackson. There you go. He drafted Chris Jackson. So, uh, and he was fired. Sort of. Then he was fired. No, 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 no. Did he draft him or did Bernie draft him? No, that was that was before Bernie. I just I, I think that with George, I, I, they with, from what I remember is they allowed. I don't. It was remember. him and Pete Babcock. It was uh, Doug and Pete Babcock, and then Bino and Lee insisted on Doug being fired, and and Babcock left at the same time, and then Bernie came in. I can't. I, I don't remember. Nobody has a memory. For that yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm the Denver business guy. I, I, I know. Well, we can talk about '80s basketball too. If you we want. could. Yeah. Well, as I was going to say, <laughs> I, I think with George though, George is is such a gym guy. I mean, he loves being in the gym. Yeah. I think if he was away from the game for a few years, somebody could sweet talk well, him. I see what you're saying. I, I appreciate what you're saying. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I but can I mean, see that. But George is, coach, George is. Kind of I mean, I'm going to be blunt here. George's ego is so out of control. There's no way. Doug Moe never had that kind of ego. And what about D'Antoni? I never would have thought D'Antoni would have taken No ego. No ego. No he's ego. a really yeah. pleasant dude. Yes. He's stubborn, but he's, very, you know, he's just a nice yes. guy from yeah. West Virginia. Five-point game. I know the Nuggets keep hanging around trying to make I mean, it interesting. I've been distracted. I mean, in Portland, down five, 105-100. Hey, give the Nuggets credit. In Portland on a back-to-back, the cupboard's as bare as it gets, uh-huh. and they're only down five I'll in Portland. Same with Portland. It's a tribute Portland to Michael Malone. Have? Portland has zero starters playing from last season in this game. No Damian Lillard. Yeah, Give Mike Malone. I think Mike Malone's doing a good job. No, he's doing a fantastic job. I can't believe we won 12 games. <laughs> it, it, it makes you wonder. I mean, Costa Papanicola starts on our team, and we've won 12 games. Oh, God. Costa Papanicola. Jameer Nelson starts on our team, and what, we've won 12 games. What was it, did, um, Nate, did you have a question about um, you had a, you were leading into something, and we completely ran over I you. I was. Well, let's talk about this current Nuggets team, and then we can get into a, another topic. I want to talk later about, uh, about Mike Monroe. 
who Ooh, retired yeah. from the, his uh, post with the San Antonio Express. But I think he's still doing some writing. He had a tremendous podcast where he talked in depth about covering the Denver Rockets, covering Alex English, covering Matumbo's teams, all those guys. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's talk a little bit about this, this current Nuggets team. And Andy brought up a great point with Michael Malone's doing a great job. I mean, you got close to Papa Nicolau playing, starting at small forward, playing, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a night in Gallo's absence. But very quickly here, as Chris Dempsey, the poster, reported, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, obviously we all know he's cleared for full practice. And there's a target date for January 2nd for Yusuf Nurkic to perhaps return. It's going to be evaluated at practice on Friday. And you're also probably going to see from what Malone had outlined, talking about Golden State being a target date also for Moutier and for Gallinari. So Denver could have, you know, the fullest deck they've had all season. Obviously, Wilson Chandler's out for the year, but those three guys are coming back in, and it's going to change how this team's going to look drastically, very drastically. Yeah, I mean, obviously restricted minutes for uh, Nurkic. And it's going to give, yeah, and it's going to give... Let's start at the top. Let's start with Moutier. This is going to give Monroe an opportunity to bring Moutier off the bench, at least for a game or two. Malone. Who did I say? Monroe. Oh, yeah. Andy just showed me a screen of Mike, <laughs> Mike Monroe. There's the M's all around. So it's going to give Malone an opportunity to perhaps bring Moutier off the bench, and at least for one game or two games, which you know some, some fans have, have wanted to see. Because obviously Jameer Nelson, being who he is, is going to look better with your starting unit. But it might might do Moody a little bit of good to go against some backup point guards versus you know the Steph Curry, Russell Westbrooks of the world, right? I, I, I agree with so. that. Look look, yeah. look look how D'Angelo Russell has responded in L.A. Uh, as a reserve. Yeah, he's playing a lot better, a lot better. So why couldn't Moody play a lot better? I mean, I think so. I mean, uh, to be honest with you. By the time uh, Moutier went out of the lineup with an ankle injury, he had played the worst stretch of basketball of his, of his time th- th- this year. And he was just... No question. He looked like he was in over his head, which is fine. Most rookies, point guards, it's the toughest position in the NBA, his point guard. So it's going to take him as a while. It may benefit him to come off the bench. I really, I really do believe How so. How long do you guys want to see him come off the bench? The rest of this year? You know, really? I am so indifferent to who comes off the bench and who starts. It means nothing to me as a fan, as an NBA follower. I mean, John Havlicek was a six man. Kevin McHale was a six man. All that matters to me is who finishes the game. So let's go there. You know, Moutier hasn't been. He wasn't finishing games before the injury. Well, you know, I know that in. Uh, so I was in Toronto. I watched the Nuggets. That was when they got that monkey off their back. They'd lost, what, uh, seven or eight God, straight? Yeah, something like that. And they win in Toronto. Did you have decent surprise. seats in that game? I had decent seats. So how's their arena? That seems like a great arena. Oh, it's a great arena. It's not, it's not just a great arena, it's the atmosphere around the Arcana Center that's great, which I think that now with the Kroenke family acquiring Elitches, they're going to be able to do something like that. You know, the days, I'm going to get on my real estate rant. The days of. Basketball arenas in the middle of parking lots are over. You have to provide a, a, a entertainment experience around the stadium, which means retail, hotel, residencies, offices. Anyway, they have all that in Toronto. It's a phenomenal setup. Yeah. Um, but Coach Malone, I know in Toronto, he wanted the win. He wanted the win. And George Carl has a great quote that I'll never forget. He says, experiments get coaches fired. 
And Malone that night was like, you know what? I love Moutier. He'll have his time, but I'm not experimenting tonight. And he went with his veterans down the stretch, yep. and they pulled out the victory for him. And Moutier sat yep. for the second half of that fourth quarter, and the Nuggets won. So, uh, when, now, I, con- con- contrary to what George Carl espoused a few years ago, and I wrote this in my column on, on Tuesday, the Nuggets have to experiment. Their future's not with Jameer Nelson. The future's not. If they win 35 games versus 29 games, it doesn't matter. They've got to get these young kids. They, this is the year to experiment, my pro, in, my, in my opinion. And you know what? No one's going to fire Malone for that. No. And if they do, shame on them, and we'll write about that. But Malone's <laughs> not going to get fired for experimenting this year. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because I think Malone, you has, he has so much more trust, I think, intrinsically in Jameer because, you know, Jameer's the veteran. And it's going to be hard not to have the coach's trust when you are a 14, 13-year veteran of the NBA like Jameer is. Um, at the same time, you know, you would like to see Moutier develop, but I don't think his development would be hindered coming off the bench. I, I, I agree. I, I, don't think, I agree. I don't think it would because he got the start, and you saw what you, he was able to do. And quite frankly, I think they may be helping him out a little if he comes off the bench. Because he needs confidence, and the, the, the guy does not have any confidence right now, and he needs that. And, of course, they're going to have to work seriously on his jumper, which is another issue, but which is something that I you don't even know. Isn't that why Mike start. Malone got a contract? Yeah. I'm sorry, Mike Miller yeah. got a contract. <laughs> All too these many M's. I know. Man, <laughs> Monroe, Malone, yeah. Miller. Um, but isn't that why Mike Miller got a contract? Was yeah. to work with these kids on their jumpers. Yeah. And, here, and by the way, the elephant in the room, it's not that big of an elephant, but there's an elephant in the room. Why is there no third point guard? No. Yeah, why is Jameer Nelson out there getting his ass kicked right now? Why well, isn't there a backup to, point they're guard? They try to jam Randy Foy into that role, and it's like, that's what Shaw tried this to is, do. This is and how messed so up this is. This is how messed up this is. They traded for Nick Johnson in this, this deal, right? He was guaranteed two years because of whatever deal that Daryl Morey gave him. Um, they cut, which was the rookie deal. <laughs> they cut, yeah, but they, they it was like it was a second. He was a yeah. second round pick. Yeah. So usually you don't have guaranteed deals in a second round worth uh, the second rounder. They cut Nick Johnson. They keep Eric Green. Then they cut Eric Green. So they're now they're paying eight hundred thousand dollars for a point guard to not play on the roster while they have Costas Papa Nicolau on and the roster. Why, and why? <laughs> and then to play Johnson like a million and a And why Costas Papa You guys are a little closer to the day-to-day of the team than I am. Why Costas Papa Nicolau versus, versus Eric not Green? not play here anymore. Why? Be- because that was the response to the Wilson Chandler injury. It just seemed like they had familiarity with him and they didn't want to look anywhere else. But then you look at the Wizards... They just called up a guy from the D League or signed a guy. I believe his name is Jarrell Eddy, six foot seven, very sweet stroke from the outside. Exactly the kind of player that Denver should have jumped all over when they had a need to replace Wilson Chandler. I mean, Papa Nikolaou couldn't get off the bench for Greece's national team. But I mean, he's a nice guy. He's got a little bit of skill, but he's definitely not an NBA starter and not a backup guy that's going to have to play all season for Chandler being out. Well, I do believe, too, that uh, there's... Well, and do you really want to win games? I mean, come on. we got a lot of balls to collect here. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> we got, they've got a, third, they, a point guard in Europe that they, re- they really like, but he currently is out with a hip injury. <laughs> so, 
Nikola Radicevic. I get that lotto balls are lurking in the background, and you know me. I'm not a huge fan of tanking. I mean, yeah. for every Oklahoma City situation, which did work, give them credit, I can point to a lot of other franchises, probably four to one that didn't work, okay? I mean, the for Kings sure. up until last year is a prime example. Warriors for um, forever. But uh, this is the year to experiment. I'm going to repeat myself. This is the year. And yeah. if you get the ping pong ball, it's great. But, I, I, you know, go for it. Go for the Ws. But do it with the young players who are part of your future, not the old guys that are part of your past. Well, and that's the other thing, too. Like, you, why, why decide to cut Eric Green? Didn't you just get bitten in the ass by getting rid of Evan Fournier? You know, haven't the Warriors proved that Ian Clark can play a little bit? You're hanging on to, to Randy Foy, to J.J. Hickson. You're letting go Ian Clark, who's in the rotation with the Warriors. You're letting go Eric Green, whose first D-League game, I think he scored 40 points or something. Yes. We, we don't know what those guys are going to become. Why not hang on to them? You know what Randy Foy is. You know what J.J. Hickson is. Like, it might cost you a little bit more money, and that's, again, where it comes back to ownership, where you say, is this team really wanting to make the best possible moves, or are they wanting to make cost-effective moves and make some okay moves along the way? If they wanted to make cost-effective moves, they would never cut Nick Johnson. I mean, that, that, that simply, it was simply put, I mean, that was, that was the part where they got uh, ran afoul of themselves. Was who would you rather have, Nick Johnson or Randy I, Foy? I honestly would actually rather have Nick Johnson, but exactly, <laughs> I would rather exactly. have Nick he's Johnson. He's younger. He's younger and period. Cheaper. That's the he's, only thing you need. Yeah. He's younger. Period. I, I, I think that in the in the grand scheme of things, you have we have to be asking ourselves the question: Why do the Nuggets keep getting short point short of point guards? Why do they always end up having to have Randy Foy run emergency point guard? For three years. For three years now, this has been the same <laughs> refrain. And you, you should never be in the point where you have Randy Foy running a point. And Randy Foy, phenomenal never. guy, hating hard on his game right now, but, hey, that's just how it goes in the NBA. He'll it's have business, the, man. It's business. Players will tell you. Players will tell you. It's a business. <laughs> Players will tell you but that. But they get very pissed off about stuff, but it's a business. <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Looking at these guys too. All right, so we ha- there's a Moutier situation. Papa Nicolau, obviously, that's his situation. Again, it, and Andy, you talked about this. It doesn't matter if he starts, or but it matters if he finishes. Nikola Jokic. Again, it comes back to your experimental question. How good has this guy been in your eyes, and have you been surprised by him? Well, <laughs> very surprised, and give Tim Connolly credit. This is where Tim Connolly's uh, Eastern European network is coming to fruition. And I wrote about this last year. I called it the Nuggets International Gamble, and it's paying off. And you know, he was willing to take... Not to be mistaken with Mark Kisla's international disaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Yes, I remember that. International disaster. Um, you know, uh, jo- look, Jokic, Nurkic, Laverne, these guys were not, like, unknown to the NBA world at large, but the fact that Connolly was willing to reach for them a little bit more than the other GMs would, yeah. give, give him a lot of credit, and it's working. I mean, Jokic, I'm thrilled for Jokic, you know? It's amazing what he's doing. He's talking about being thrown into the fire. I mean, Malone had no interest in playing him no. when we talked to Malone at training camp. And uh, he's out there. He's, not only is he productive, he's productive against good players. Yeah, so. oh, I, I like him. I, I don't actually see any reason to think that his ceiling isn't extremely high. Um, I've liked exactly what I've seen. It's going to be interesting what they do, though, because he really is a five. You think he's a five? I really do. Because he's a four? No, because he just doesn't have that. uh, He's not quick enough. Jeff, what's Porzingis? 
Porzingis is a four. <laughs> Porzingis, Jeff but quick. Jeff Porzingis, Porzingis. Porzingis. He's good. He's, he's good. good. He is really good. Porzingis is quick, though, for a 7'3 guy. Yeah, he well, moves like By the way, this draft, this draft yeah. is going to rival the LeBron-Carmelo Wade draft. Not that they're going to have a LeBron in this draft or even a Carmelo necessarily in this draft. This is a deep draft, man. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns. So how is, is it going to rival that draft if there's no LeBron and no Melo? Just in terms of the depth of the draft, it's a really good draft. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm saying it's a really good. It's, 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 it, this is probably the best draft since the 03 draft. I can't think of a better draft. Um, um, certainly better than, what, two seasons ago or last year with Wiggins. Um, Wiggins, uh, oh, we had Wiggins and Parker and Wiggins, Curry's out. Because I've, I've heard the other yeah. way, too, where it's not such a deep draft where guys are fearing that it's like a four or five player. Carl draft. Anthony Towns. D'Angelo is now showing why they took Oh, you're second. talking about the pass draft. This draft. Carl Anthony I'm Towns. talking about coming sorry, up Sorry, sorry. This pass draft. Okay. Carl Anthony Towns. Jesus. D'Angelo, Porzingis, Okafor, Moutier. I think okay. Willie Cauley-Stein's all right, too. I agree. When he's healthy, he looks good. Yeah. He looks good. Uh, it's a good draft. Yeah, I think it's it, it'll, it'll it'll be a... I mean, Moutier is the one that I think is um, has lagged behind a bit from some of the other... And no, and, and Hazonia. Well, you had but, great points. When we talked with Conley, you had an excellent point on Moutier of being the, the rookiest of rookies. The rookiest of the... 11 yeah. games in China. A, yep. little, a little bit of playoff experience over there and... I mean, basically, China, he's a high school. All you have to say about China is Greg Oden put up like twenty and twenty in China in his first game. This is true. A couple couple months ago. This is true. Ago. And know, and 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 what's his name? Uh, Stefan Marbury is like a god over there. So, uh, by the way, when I go to when I go to Beijing, I'm going to his museum. Oh. I can't wait. <laughs> Yao Ming's museum? No, no Stefan Marbury. Marbury has a museum. Oh, god. What's in there? His shoes. <laughs> Behind glass? The $15 no, Starbucks? No joke. No joke. Google Stephon Marbury, New York Times Museum. There was an article about two or three days ago. Yeah, he's got a museum. He's won three out of four championships for the uh, Ducks. That's yeah. the team he plays for. Moutier went against him head to head. Yeah, he did. A little head to head action. I mean, Stephon Marbury's got to be 38. By the way, here's a good draft. So, uh, 2012, Anthony Davis is number one. Bradley Beal, three. Damian Lillard six, Harrison Barnes seven, Andre Drummond nine. That's that's, that's a, good, a draft. good draft. That's, that's a, a good hindsight draft. Didn't Masai want to trade up for Bradley Beal in that draft? Yeah, he did. Some rumors about the Nuggets trying to climb in there. And Nuggets, the Nuggets. Well. Great trivia question. Thirty-eighth pick in the draft. Quincy Miller made uh, his NBA career rest in peace. Yeah. Nice kid. Great nice kid. kid. Yeah. Cute. That was the Fournier draft, right? Draymond Green. Yeah. 35th player in the draft. Wow. Fournier was a great pick in that draft. Looks like now leading the Magic in scoring, a I would have, team that I looks mean, like they're going to make the playoffs. If we're going draft. to talk about the past and drafts here, I would have never traded Fournier. If it was me, if I was a, a general manager, I would have never we're, traded we're, Fournier. And we're, I'm starting to kick us off topic. Promise me in like May-ish next year we do a draft show only. Oh, yeah. And we geek out on past drafts because there's right. so much fun to look at some past drafts. That's, that's oh, yeah. so because the Nuggets drafts have been it. awful. The Nuggets' draft history is just the worst. Not recently. They have some good draft picks. That's yeah. not true. Jeff, but Jeff, they also drafted Jerome Lane Jeff, because he broke a black backboard. Jeff loves the 93-94 <laughs> Nuggets but refuses to recognize that they drafted like over half of that team. They did. No, 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 no. I, I, Ruth, I recognize Matumbo, it. I wrote a column. I wrote a column when the tanking conversation came about. Rogers. I wrote a column. It said tanking works, sort of. Yeah. Because the Nuggets tanked. And you had Mahmoud in 90. You had Matumbo in 91, blew it with Macon in the same draft. Yeah, yeah. 92, you draft Lafonso and Stith. 93, yep. you draft Rodney Rogers. They, to your point, Nate, they built that team. 94, they drafted uh, Jalen Rose. That's right. And, uh, God, I was so happy. But that's when the things started going oh, downhill. So happy. But, but it wasn't Bernie, the drafting's fault. They, Bernie made 
his best ever trade the following year when he got Antonio McDice. For uh, Brent for Barry, Brent Barry. Barry. <laughs> Bison Daly, may he literally rest in peace. Yeah. And uh, uh, who was the third? Bison Daly. Brian Williams. It was Rodney Rogers, right? Rodney Rogers, yeah, it was yeah. Rodney Rogers. And Brent they had Barry. two tragic pieces of that of that draft. Man, um, yeah, that Rogers. draft, that trade. Um, but there is, that was his bet, I mean, because McDice should have been, could have been a really, really good player. Then that was a fantastic trade, I and mean, he got him for basically, basically, Brian, two role players. But... You know, it just went downhill after that. But Two the, role players and the only white guy to win the slam dunk contest. This is true. <laughs> While he was wearing his warm-up <laughs> jacket during the entire jacket. dunk contest. Um, Never forget that. But, you know, the Nuggets draft history. I mean, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. Well, gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll save talk, that for we'll another save show. We'll save it for a draft We'll show. save it for another show. We can kind of get into some of this nostalgia talk with uh, this, this Mike Monroe podcast. He's on with Tim Bontemps. Bontemps. Horrible voice for podcast, Tim Bontemps. Yeah, he I sounds kind of like a cross between a guy from Brooklyn and Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Great reporter, but hard to listen to. <laughs> but Mike Monroe's on there, and Monroe wrote for he wrote for his first job was in the Springs. Yeah, it was in the and Springs. And he was talking about writing for the Denver Rockets, and he had to kind of, you know, th- this new league has started, the ABA, and he's kind of pushing to to be able to cover the team and drive up to Denver, and they allow him to do that. Nineteen sixty-seven. And, and so, it, you know, and then who did he write for in Denver? Was it the Post, the Post. or the News? Yep. Post. Post. And he, he just shared some great stories How, on this podcast. I mean, was, a lot of our listeners or your listeners probably can't relate to this. And I'm not trying to sound like, oh, old curmudgeon here. But, I mean. That's Marty's job. Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Reading Mike Monroe's, like, NBA recap yeah. column. Yeah. Was like the highlight of my week. I love Mike Because that was the only access we had to inside. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I, mean I remember when Prodigy came out in, like, 1991. Oh, and I, I, could, that and I could see the Nuggets box score <laughs> the night before the paper came. It's just like that was revolutionary. But I'm just saying, Mike Monroe Sunday column, man. I read, I, I, I read that every. I couldn't wait to read the Sunday column. You and me. The really cool we part that about that yeah. is he he talked about putting together those notes columns in the NBA yeah. in general. Yeah, I love he, those. He said there was like 15 guys because this was before the internet. Yeah. So there was like 15 guys and on Saturday or Friday. They would all start calling each other and yeah. just giving each other these random stats and facts, and that's how they put he, those columns together. It's did awesome. He, did he, I haven't listened to the podcast yet. It will be my uh, yes, it'll be my midnight so. listening along with Jeff's column midnight reading. <laughs> um, did Mike Monroe talk about the fact that he broke the MJ story? Yes, he did. He what broke, MJ story? He broke the story of MJ coming back. Yeah, in 90, he uh, was in '95 because he got it from the. Day, yeah, he did talk about it. You you got that that part yet? No, I'm I'm right at the part where he's talking about uh, his relationship with Dan Tony. He broke the okay, yeah. it, it's after that one. Yeah. yeah, he broke it, which is which is because he got it. Someone had t- I forget who told him about it, but then he got he asked, I believe it was David Stern about it, and then he ended up being the guy, the first guy to break the story. Uh, Michael Jordan was uh, was retired. I mean, it's unbelievable. Who's he writing for at the time? The Post. So the post broke that story. Yes. Sounded hesitant. Yes, because I don't <laughs> believe he was he doing an Associated Press wire with that one. I don't know because I know he. Okay, listen, I know Mike Monroe a little, and he did tell me that story the last time I talked to him. Yeah, because you, you'd said he'd helped you out with a okay, your yeah. Dan Issel piece. Right? Yeah, I wrote an epist- uh, piece two years ago on Dan Issel. 
uh, when I was doing that, remember that uh, 20th anniversary celebration articles, a series of articles I was When doing? the Thunder wouldn't let us talk to Robert Pack. Yeah, that was fun. Bastards. Matt Tumbleson. Um, Bastards. Hey, look, their franchise is dead in two years. Don't worry about that. That's them. true. Um, <laughs> screw those people. Um, and uh, We're not bitter about playoff losses. No, not at all. Um, and he helped me out so much with that article. He was so good. Denver Post. Denver Post. Okay. Incredible. It, it was it, Mike. Mike, but he's the he has the best stories. I if you just sit and listen to Mike Monroe talk, he literally has the best stories ever. You want to hear about the Nuggets, and the Nuggets were full of colorful personalities there's, and all that stuff. There's rumors that he may have created the El Busto name for Tony Batie. I think that is and it uh, might have gotten passed to. to was it Dan Issel? Dan Issel. Dan Issel called him. Dan Issel at the time had a radio show here, and he called him El Busto on his radio show. Yes. And then he had to. May have heard what that. What had happened now. was that uh, apparently, and Mike, Mike Minor told me the story, and he's, he's passed Allegedly. this on too, is that they were at actually a practice, and Batie had just made some sort of ridiculously dumb move on this practice card. And he turned to Issel and he said, El Busto. Then Issel turns around and goes on the radio later that day and calls Tony Batie El Busto. Now, to his credit, when Issel was on last year, when he was on the radio, he did credit Mike Monroe for, for the El Busto name. He did. I remember hearing he, that. He did credit Mike Monroe. So, but it was, it, it did, that was definitely Mike Monroe. Is there a Michael Malone show? On altitude, I, yeah, there is. is right? yeah, yeah, I've never seen it. It's uh, a successor to the Brian Shaw show, which is a successor to the George George Carl show. show. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. By the way, uh, El Busto, Tony Batie. Guess how much money he made? Um, I, I looked thirty this up something at one million. Point. Right? I think keep, it's like thirty-six million. Keep going. Fifty-six million. Fifty-seven million dollars. <laughs> how did he make fifty-seven million dollars? You know what? You, you call him El Busto. He had a hell of a career. He, he wasn't bad. He was there for. I he mean, played about, okay. You guys remember about he played, he played about fifteen years. Do you yeah. remember? It was it two thousand twelve? The, the the Sixers came into town. Yeah. And he came off the bench. It was Doug Collins was the coach of the Sixers then. He comes off the bench and they announced Tony Batie and I went. And I texted Nate immediately. I said, is that Tony Petit? I didn't use... He retired, that, that. I, I just, I, he retired I, four years ago. Yeah, that I, long ago. I think he played for that Orlando Finals team. Uh, yeah. In uh, You Are Correct, Sir. Yeah. Tony Petit. Tony Petit. I, I just, that was one of those... He's still El Busto. I mean, he's still El yeah, Busto. There is no way he should have been drafted at five. But, you know. but he's not the all-time worst I mean, fifth he, pick in the draft. Yeah. No, he, he because that came t- in 2000. There's only one man <laughs> that claims the man's all the all-time worst. And I saw him... With the dunk squad. Yeah, the dunk, dunk squad. squad. Because every time I see the dunk squad, with the guy bullet. with the bullet. <laughs> apparently, apparently, Skeeta in pickup basketball games, the dunk squad Skeeta is a tremendous fouler. <laughs> Angers a lot We've, of people. We have heard that, yes. This, is, is, too in, this is too inside of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say one thing, and we'll move on to another topic. Yeah. Have you seen mullet Skeeta and actual Skeeta in the same room at the same time? No. No. Well, uh, we've never seen you and Matt Schaub in the same room either. So. <laughs> it's very true. It's all very true. Um, so, yeah, I, I listen, um, there's Mike Monroe was a fantastic. Well, apparently he's still doing writing, from what I understand. Yeah, he's, he's still like, going to do some stuff for San Antonio. Yeah, for San Antonio. It's just like a blog or something like that he's writing for. I, I, I haven't, I haven't but it was really cool hearing, like, he was talking about 
you know, George Carl buying the plane tickets for Seattle. Yeah. You know, the return flight home after game three when the Nuggets and Sonics played. And, and George Carl had booked the flight home after game three. And then he, he talked about Matumbo sharing with reporters. That he had a dream that the Nuggets won yeah. games three, four, and five. And then he talked about being in the locker room with Mark Kisla and, and another uh, beat reporter, female beat reporter, one of the first ones, I guess, at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. And Brian Williams gave him like a big bear hug. He had a really good relationship with him, and it was, oh, it was he, just when I talked to Mike Monroe, he said that his favorite player to cover in the NBA was Brian Williams. He said that he's the smartest person he had ever encountered. Bri- in the NBA. Brian Williams, who became Bison Daly, uh, falls in an interesting category of NBA players. In yeah. fact, Mecca Okafor is in this category. Um, they're guys whose basketball was their job, but not their life. Yep. And they're very cerebral guys. They're world travelers. They're and, and it's just basketball is just a job for them. Did you see the thirty for thirty on Brian Williams? Supposedly there's one. They were talking, uh, it maybe, maybe it was a, a thirty for thirty short. I, there's definitely not a long yeah. form one. I would have seen that. I got well, You it. could make a long form one just out of what happened, the circumstances of his death, or what his presumed death. Well, his career too. He was pretty good at Arizona. He was good at Arizona, and then he won a title with the Bulls uh, in '98, yeah. '97, '98. Um, and he was actually doing really well with the Pistons, from what I understand. But then he retired. Then he retired. What you understand from watching his play? From, from uh, yeah, from what I understand. What from what I've been saying? able to I've piece together from sugar packets, <laughs> I found at Denny's. Um, and <laughs> that might be the best reference ever. Makes zero sense. <laughs> That's classic. Okay. Finds he's cutting the sock. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just cutting Jeff off from the sugar pack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was fun. You know, Mike Monroe's great. Yeah. And uh, he has some great, great stories. Monroe. Like Monroe. Yeah. It could stretch it out to 20, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> These guys. <laughs> so, yeah, no. In fact, he was great, and um, he helped me out tremendously with that Issel article. It was a lot of his stories made it into the, the article I wrote. And then later I told Issel about it uh, when he was in the Nuggets locker room. Just magically appeared in the Nuggets locker room one time after a game. And uh, he was very appreciative. He, apparently, he and Mike uh, Mike Monroe are very, very close. I couldn't tell last night if um, when Mozgov came out, he was being led by PR guru Tim Gelt. Tim Gelt was walking with Mozgov out of the Cavaliers locker room. I couldn't tell if they went into the Nuggets locker room. Did they? Yeah. I wasn't sure. But yeah, they went directly. In the, I, I gave oh, yeah, Mozgov a Oh, yeah, he was right when we walked by. Yeah, yeah, he went in the tunnel. Mozgov was wearing a, a giant skull sweatshirt. Yeah, that was, the, that was, cool. was a... Interesting shirt. Mozgov, one of the best guys of all time. I, one of my favorite Easily. players that's ever, ever been on this team. Just person, you know. He uh, loves to pull a joke, Andy, at practices. And Jeff had it done to him. I had it done to me. He did it to everybody. He'd walk by and do the tap you on the right shoulder and right. look, and then he'd right. be on the other side laughing hysterically. Right. You can, <laughs> like, I guess that's a big deal in Russia. That's still, still a thing over there. Well, he was funny, and he really seemed to like Nate and I because I think Nate and I were the only – I, I, let's, my, let, let's, ask, let's bring this to the common day nuggets, or the modern day nuggets. No. Current day nuggets. Uh, Com- the, was, was before nuggets. the common era. The common era. <laughs> was that a good trade? Was that a stupid trade? I mean, what I've pieced uh, together from sugar packets <laughs> found at Denny's. Seriously, was that a stupid trade? What do you we mean? They, they got, what, two picks, right? They got two first round picks. Kind of, well, meaningless picks, and one of them we had to get rid of just to get rid of McGee. 
No, was no, that no, a bad no, trade in hindsight? No, no, no. That Memphis pick man ended up in, in, paying off. Yeah, they did get the Memphis pick. We, we won't get it this a, year. It's going to be. It's protected uh, one through five uh, and fifteen through thirty. We're uh, not going to get it this year. Uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe they're going to be in the lottery. Unless they, they might fall apart. Uh, There's not a lot of competition in the bottom of the West to challenge them to fall out. But I don't know. I'm not saying because then it it's becomes unprotected shot. by 1919. Uh, 2019. I have gone back in time. Um, 2019. Post draft Oscar Robertson. <laughs> Post World War One. Uh, <laughs> sorry, listeners. This is what happens when we do a podcast the night before New Year's. Um, seriously, though, was that a bad trade? I don't think so because I, I like the picks they got, and they, they, I, I think they got that second pick with an eye of getting rid of McGee. They, they had to have because that that Oklahoma City pick was not going to be anything. It was going to be, obviously become two second round. Picks. Yeah, it's going to be a wait and see to see what happens with that Memphis pick in order to tell. And even this year, I mean, I don't know what else could they have gotten for Mozgov. What else? Would no, you I'm wanted? saying maybe just don't trade him. And then I you mean, have, he's young. He's your starting center. You got. I mean, I guess with Nurkic, it's awkward. I don't know. And Jokic and Joffrey. I don't know. You're right. And Darrell. The way the game's Fareed changed, maybe you don't need all those big men. But yeah, I. You know, we were talking last night about... Because he hasn't really proved to be able to shoot threes. I mean, he tried. There's but. no way the Grizzlies are missing the playoffs. They are currently ensconced as the <laughs> sixth seed. They are four games ahead of the Trailblazers, who are nine. You yeah, really but there's schedule coming the up. The Jazz are hurt. I'm just saying, you really think... The bottom of the West is Let me list off some shitty teams for you. You really think the Trailblazers, Kings, Timberwolves, Nuggets, or Suns will usurp the Grizzlies for a playoff spot? No. Not the Suns. Not going to happen. And if the Kings make the playoffs, it'll be a miracle. Let's mark No, 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 no. Hey, 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 hey. Kings are my eight seed pick. I'm sticking by it. They're only a game and a half out of the eight seed. I'm standing by my. If pick. they don't kill each other before February, they might make the playoffs. Rajon Rondo uh, making Andrew Feinstein's fantasy team somewhat respectable. Rajon Rondo, controversial scumbag. Rajon Rondo. <laughs> okay, did you get did Nate or Andy actually? Did you see the um, GIF of uh, or GIF or whatever you say it? Yeah. Pronounce it. Is it GIF? It's, like I don't know, it's, a GIF it's actually GIF. GIF. But go ahead. Um, no, George Carl's reaction to Demarcus Cousins' three-point shot at the end of uh, no, yeah, that was um, no, I didn't see that. That's it why was I think George it was might one be of associate head coach soon. It was one of the. <laughs> it was one of per being per completely perplexed. And this is the thing. And let me just go delve into this because this kind of affects the Nuggets. The Kings situation is a cluster. You know what? How does this affect the Nuggets? Because you know, Nuggets attempted to trade from what we understand, or maybe, quote-unquote, rumored to be, tried to get that, the, engage the Kings in some, in some trade talk. From that, That's the rumor. And with this, the Kings team and their owner being basically certifiably insane, and they basically are kowtowing to everything that DeMarcus Cousins does, is there a way that the, a team like the Nuggets could get Maybe cousins out of there. No, but I that, mean, by but the way, we had that deal. That was the deal. We had, we all know what the deal was. We had that opportunity to trade Ty Lawson and Fareed and Chandler and get him to Sacramento so George could reunite with his boys, get cousins to the Lakers, and we would have had the D'Angelo pick plus the Moutier pick plus the Kings pick, and that that would have been something special. It didn't happen. Um, I think that Demarcus Cousins is going to be a Celtic. That's where I think he ends You up. think he goes to the Celtics? That's, I think he could happen at some point. What do you think, Nate? I don't know if I would trade for Cousins. I mean, what is he, 26? 
Oh, I has never proved to be anything more than a malcontent. And in this NBA, I mean, how you look at it with I look at it with Anthony Davis. You look at Kevin Love with Minnesota, Kevin Garnett with Minnesota, Anthony Davis maybe with the Pelicans, and, and Cousins with the Kings. I mean, these guys don't dominate the ball. They they have to have somebody else get them the ball. I I don't think I would trade for Cousins, even if I was the Nuggets. It'd be like depending on what they wanted. I don't know. I just don't know if if you can win anything with Cousins even as with your best the, player. You, even with his boy Michael Malone. Even with his boy Michael Malone, mm. I don't. I don't know. I would trade for Cousins. I would. Yeah. Especially now that the West has softened up. I just don't think it's realistic. That's all. It's I, just, I, I don't think Vivek will do a deal with Pete D'Alessandro and Michael Malone. No. That's what I think. Who's no. the last Cousins type guy to really carry a team anywhere special? Like Wilt. No, 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 no. What, you mean Tim like Sean Duncan? Kemp or Carl Malone? Or what do you mean when you say Cousins type guy? Well, yeah. They, it just seems like a head case, right? Oh. Like, is he a giant J.R. Smith? Oh, okay. You're talking about a. Okay. Um, I mean, I, what has this guy won? Allen Iverson. Has he taken these guys NBA to the playoffs? Yeah, maybe Allen Iverson. Yeah, well, Iverson wasn't like a. Nate, I, I, Nate, I, I, I don't. I, I actually agree with you halfway. I think that this is the year. I think that they. they look, they have enough. George loves crazy. And they got that in spades in Sacramento. Yeah. And I think that if they can get them to that eighth seed, you know, uh, that, that's, to me, that's the mix. George with a bunch of crazy guys, that, that, that to me is the right mix to get me the eighth you seed. Know, if the nu- if you can get Cousins somewhere strong, like Celtics, who do they have that could really, you know, you look at Carl Anthony Towns has Kevin Garnett. I mean, who would the Celtics have to keep him in check David if Lee. things go south? You know, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, Can I tell you what they have there, though. They have Danny Ainge, and they've got the—I use that word again—they got the gravitas of the organization. I mean, who Sacramento gives a shit about Danny Ainge? Well, I'm just saying, a role player in the NBA. I mean, I'm sure Cousins doesn't respect that guy. Your point is he—he he needs to be paired up with a KG type, something. Hmm. Yeah, you know that uh, Danny like Ainge. If the Spurs was... traded for him well, instead of if, Aldridge, if if the Nuggets were to bring Chauncey back into the fold and if they were to somehow get Cousins, that's the guy you want. You know, and they have you Malone. Know, I mean, like Jeff, you pointed out, they have Malone. They, if they had somebody like Chauncey, they have, you know, I, I just don't know. You know, Danny Ainge was a key role player in both Portland's finals teams and Phoenix Suns' finals teams. And really he was an all-star. Star. Anyway. <laughs> Still, I'm Cousins sure I'm would play whack Danny Ainge. <laughs> Danny, well, Ainge, I mean, Danny Ainge, ye hoarder of draft picks. Hoarder of draft picks who... who I mean, if the Cavaliers is, traded for him and LeBron was there, if the Lakers oh traded for man. him and Kobe was there five years ago, I, I don't know. I just I would I would worry that that situation in Sacramento, especially with what you had to give up for him, would turn into the Knicks situation with Carmelo. You just you know trade well, that's a, good a lot question. of your stuff for his problems. Do you think the Knicks trade Carmelo? Yes. I, know he's got a, I know he's got a no cr- trade clause, but... Think if he goes to the uh, Bulls, you think if he, he they, they, he would waive that no trade clause to go to the Bulls? He's got Carmelo's got to realize that his clock is ticking in the wrong direction. A biological clock. No, I know, but you know what I mean. There, there's no, <laughs> there's no upside for him in New York. New York's all about it's a Porzingis future. They are a better offensive team when it's he's out and Porzingis is. Although the Knicks made on. the Knicks. Basically, did the same crap that the Nuggets tried to do a year ago, which is make trades to be an eighth seed in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, why else would they trade for Lopez? Why else would they trade for a Flalo? I mean, what's the, what's the concept? Well, there? I think Calderon. I, I mean, yeah. I think the the wild card in that is obviously Porzingis, who's looking really good. 
even though he's, he, he may be know, the second best player in this draft when they yeah. redrafted after Carr. Yeah, he very, very well could be. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Melo, where do you think he could go? I mean, I don't know. You look at, like, Miami, Houston. Oh, Miami would be an Chicago. Interesting yeah. You know, because like Luol Deng teams. is basically a corpse at this point because of all the minutes he played in with, in Chicago. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's washed. He's done. I mean, Carmel would be a great fit in Miami. I just don't know how they put that together. Yeah, you'd have to trade like Winslow. You'd have to trade Drogic or something like that. Drogic and Winslow, Calderon and Melo. I mean, you don't need uh, Drogic in Miami. You just you, you could really use Calderon, a spot up shooter, and have Dwayne yeah, but, Wade operate with the ball. Yeah, but uh, basically, it'd be this, it'd be like running Calderon in uh, in. Uh, uh, in New York because they run the triangle. So, uh, I mean, Dragic would be lost in that situation too. You know, but I, I, that is one thing I could see is him, him going to Miami with Wade and Bosch and then trying to, you know, find that thing where he can't be. You know, Melo does respect his peers. He doesn't respect anyone else, but he respects his peers and he would defer to his peers. And that's his peers are Wade, Bosch, LeBron, and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe that would be a situation where he could go, and he would waive his trade clause to go there, which would completely change a lot of things in the East. Yeah. The East, if you will. Who, who are you liking watching, Andy? Who do I like and watch in general? Yeah. Who do you think? Like, who do you find yourself if they're on TV? Or, do you have NBA League Pass? I have it here at Jake's. Oh, there you go. So I get to watch every game. Nice. You know, I, 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 at home, you know, obviously I just watch the Nuggets when I'm at home. But, no, here, I, if there's any game I ever want to watch, I come here at Jake's. We've got our plug for Jake's. But we've got 21 TVs. We've got all the games. We've got eight different feeds. So we can show every single game here. Hell yes. Um, you know, look, I, 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 hate, I hate the cliche pick, but, you know, I love the Warriors. It's, I mean, <laughs> to watch, to watch. You, you know, it's, it's fun watching them. But, yeah, Turn the Raptors. Coat. The Raptors, the Raptors are my East Coast team. You know, we root for Masai. We root for him to do well. I, sure. As I always tell you guys, I root for the Raptors 80 games a year. And they're pretty fun to watch. Um, I actually kind of like watching the Hornets this year. I think they're kind of fun to watch. They've been better since Al Jefferson went yeah, out. Yeah, it's been kind of fun to watch. because he's a black hole. It always yeah, has been. It's been kind of fun to watch the Hornets. Uh, the Bucks. you know, my grandma's team. I am always have a sauce with the Bucks. Yeah. Hugely disappointing, but fun to watch the Greek Freak. Fun to watch Jabari Parker. Well, that team can't shoot. Um, yeah. And, and, and then I coach. <laughs> Well, I thought, I th- well. man, I, th- I, th- I thought the Nuggets <laughs> couldn't shoot until you. Until you and see you guys hate play. when I say this, but I like watching the Timberwolves. I think they've got a bright future. Oh, yeah. And watching Rubio and Towns and KG mentoring them and Wiggins, it's fun to watch the yeah, Timberwolves. Coach, coach by too. Sam fun. Mitchell. So I don't know if I had yeah, to pick three or four coach. teams, those are the kind of teams that, other than the obvious three, Cavs, Spurs, and Warriors, those are kind of the three or four teams that resonate with me. I was listening. Did you listen to Zach Lowe and Kyle Lowry's podcast? I did not. How far do you think that these Raptors can go? Like, how? What does Masai need to do to? Does he? Do they have any kind of recipe there to get out of the Eastern Conference? Well, so I picked them to be the second best team in the East, which I'm standing by that pick. I don't think that's that far off. They're actually a game, a half game, or a game within the, you know, within the second spot. Um, I don't know how to say this. I really like Dwayne Casey. He's a really good guy. I, I question if he's the coach that can get you to the conference finals. They. Give Masai credit. He toughened up that team. I mean, Damari Carroll, Luis Scola, Bismack Biombo, those are tough guys. Yeah. I mean, they, they finally got a tough team. The Valanciunas has been out. Uh, I think the Raptors, uh, I really, I'm rooting for Dwayne Casey because he's such a good dude. If they, could, if, they, if they get the right matchups, kind of like the the Nuggets just never quite had the right matchups, and all of a sudden, 09, it was like Hornets, Hornets. Mavericks, we're on our way to the conference finals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if the Wizards could, I mean, the Raptors, sorry, if the Raptors can just get the right matchups, I could see them going to the conference finals this year. Unfortunately for everybody in the East, 
when it really matters. I, I, I'd be shocked if Cleveland wins, loses more than one game in the playoffs. <laughs> they're, they're just head and shoulders above the rest of them. In the Even game. though they're barely a couple games ahead of everybody else, they, they may lose one game. I mean, LeBron obviously is being a little economical, but he showed against the Nuggets. I mean, Kyrie was resting, and in that second half, it was all LeBron. And Love played terrible. Yeah. I mean, LeBron was going against Papa Nicolau and Will. Well, Martin. that's true, but I mean, he, he <laughs> took over. And Darrell, yeah, I mean, but it's like it's like you don't yeah, have to you don't have to delineate the competition because it was it was just it was that much better, and that's most of the East. Yeah, I mean, you're not talking about you're not talking about something where he has to run the gamut of of well, you know, you don't have to Blake Griffin anymore because he's out with an injury, but um, you don't have to run the gamut of the Warriors and the Clippers and the. And the well, the Rockets not not anymore. But I mean, like even the, even Memphis could pose a problem. You know, you don't have to be basically beaten up anymore, like the old Eastern Conference was in the you know eighties. I just don't know who in the East. To Jeff's point, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking quickly here at the standing. Maybe you know the Bulls are interesting. I think the Celtics are pretty interesting. Though. I would agree with that. But here's the team that I think the Heat are going to make a move. I think the Heat are going to make a move. They know that Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh's lifespan as star players is expiring soon. I look for the Heat to make a move. I think the top four are going to be Cleveland, Toronto, Chicago, Miami. Hawks will be in the mix there. I can't imagine that the Magic, the Pacers, scare anybody. The thing, though, with like those teams, I mean, not with the Magic. I think the Magic and the Celtics are in the same boat where when things get rough in the fourth quarter of a tight playoff game, Cleveland can dump the ball to LeBron. The Pacers can give the ball to Paul George. Who do the Celtics give it to? Who do the Magic give it to? Evan Fournier, maybe. You know, That's where they're going to run into problems is close fourth quarter play. your point games. is Paul George is no confusion. That's who you give it to. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, Toronto, Kyle, Kyle Lowry, that's who you give it to. Kyle and Lowry. Corey Joseph, the acquisition. DeMar DeRozan yeah. will try to take over. Yeah, yeah. They got guys. That, that's scary, great, though. You know, Isaiah Thomas, I remember when he did NBC broadcast, I don't think he ever said anything intelligent except for one time. And, he, and they asked him, <laughs> they asked him, I think he was covering, I think it was Bulls Pacers 98 conference finals. They were tied oh. three games apiece. It was one of the few times MJ had a seventh game. Yeah. And they asked Isaiah, you know, who wins this game? He said, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was the Lakers going up against. It was the Shaq's Lakers maybe going against. Anyway, Isaiah's point was the team with the best player is going to win the series when it gets to that point. And he's right, and that's exactly what happens. And that's why at the end of the day in the East, you know, you're right, the, the, the teams like the Magic or the Celtics, mm. they're a collection of really fun young guys, but there's no true <laughs> alpha male. I don't see how any of them go far. See, part of the reason... That's the, the Hawks' problem. Maybe they went around. By the way, that's the know. Hawks' problem. Yeah. You know, see, the pro- part of the reason why the, the exception to the, all the rules in the NBA has been the 2004 Lakers. One of the reasons that that's the exception is because they brought in a, one particular guy that everyone hated, and that ended up being Carl Malone. And once that happened right there they, they just they couldn't their, their, their dynamic broke down and that ended up being the kind of poison well kind of situation that you had there did Malone um, get hurt though like had he Malone got uh, hurt by the way that was a weird season Malone got hurt Malone Kobe's, got, Kobe's flying back and forth from Eagle County yeah on great allegations. clearly remember that uh, season. Phil Jackson has no idea how to coach a point guard no. so Gary Payton was lost Shaq yeah. was out of shape yeah it was I lived in LA that whole I mean I watched all those games. It was a circus. It was a disaster. And, and the fact that they even got to the finals that year, that's it, amazing. in and of itself, is yeah, remarkable. Amazing. And then the, the, the Pistons come in, and then they, they win with, quote-unquote, without a star. <clears throat> but then people forget that that team, that Pistons team, I'm like, that starting five, all basically all-stars, 
I mean, you got that Chauncey, Ben Wallace. And I, don't, uh, and I hate to take anything Rasheed away. Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton. By the way, and I hate uh, to take Tayshon. anything away from that Pistons team. Give them credit. They went to back-to-back finals. Two, they won one and went to seven games. The East was so bad. I mean, uh-huh. Iverson's Sixers don't go to the finals in this Eastern Conference. No, no. Okay? Yeah. Uh, sure. Jason right. Kidd's Nets do not go no. to the NBA finals in this Eastern Conference. They're Chauncey's fun. Pistons maybe do, but that was that era. I mean, the East was so bad. You thought the East was bad last <laughs> year? The early, the mid-00s, the East was so bad. The East was uh, probably at its worst when uh, LeBron went to his first finals with Cleveland. I would agree with that statement. That was that was I that might be the worst team to represent. That and Iverson Sixers, in my opinion, are the two worst teams to represent a finals team in probably thirty-five years of NBA history. Both of them were terrible, right? And and how the how the Sixers won a game in in it's that all, against Lakers? It's because he went for, it's yeah, he went yeah, for 51, 51. Yeah, 51. Yeah, fifty-one. I thought too. I, Bring it back to the Hawks where you're talking about Atlanta. I was watching their game against the Rockets this morning that happened last night where they were down uh, – Hawks were down 19, came back and won at 121-115. And the guy that kind of took over for Atlanta that has had a, a, a great career where he started out kind of wishy-washy was Jeff Teague. Yeah. Which is a guy that Tim Conley kind of pointed at to, you know, a point guard that really had yeah. to kind of work his way up. You know, which Moody may have to do, but man, Jeff Teague is, is a pretty special player that really can get to the rim. That's kind of where, where I've been watching Moody and thinking, you know, he has, like people say, you know, he plays kind of slow and he tries to use his like stop and go speed a little bit too much. Right now, he doesn't quite know how to use it. He doesn't quite know, like, I love the movie Swingers where they're telling Jean Favreau that, you know, he's a, a bear and he has these claws and he's trying to figure out how to kill this rabbit and he has these claws. He's looking at him and he can't figure out how to kill this rabbit yeah. with these claws. And that's kind of what Moutier is like to me. He's just a guy that, you know, has all these tools and once he figures out how to start using them like Jeff Teague has done, he's going to be very dangerous. So, Jeff, Jeff, let's just geek out on the draft real quick. 2009. Great first, point guard draft. First pick is Blake Griffin. Second pick is Hashim. Third pick, James Harden. Oh, Fourth pick, Tyreek Evans, who's had a Benjamin Button NBA career. Awesome and then reverse. <laughs> like your boy, uh, Paul Weston. Yes. Um, Ricky Rubio is five. Johnny Flynn is six. Johnny Flynn. Boy, they'd like to have that one They back. had five and six. <laughs> they take two point guards, and none of them were named Steph Curry. Who gets drafted? Seven. Jordan Hill goes eight. Knicks. Way to go, Donnie Walsh. Knicks yeah. were pissed. DeMar DeRozan, nine. Brandon Jennings. I still think he can ball at ten. Nick's trying to trade for Let's skip Jennings. ahead a little bit, okay? Drew Holiday, 17. Ty Lawson, 18. Jeff Teague, 19. That's why I brought up this draft. Darren Collison, 21. What a point guard draft. Unbelievable. I mean, those guys, if Drew Holiday hadn't had these injuries, he was a very good point guard. Dude, that's an unbelievable. He took it to Lawson a yeah. few times. And that's a draft that the Phil. Nuggets should take Solace in because that shows you, first of all, Steph Curry at seven. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, to get a guy like that at seven. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and for Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague goes nineteen. It's crazy. I mean, he's a, he's a probably a top ten point guard in the league. Right oh, now. for sure. And then you got. I mean, I always look at that draft and I look at the nineteen ninety six draft <laughs> as like those two drafts where you nobody like, even plays in the league in ninety six. Well, not anymore because Nash just retired. <laughs> ninety six is Kobe Nash, Jermaine O'Neal, Kobe Nash, Boy, Jermaine Pages, O'Neal, mm-hmm. all that that where all those players, Tractor those trailer. good players, came. After the first ten picks, I mean, and and you really don't see that that often in the NBA in the NBA draft. You, you never do. Well, that was around when 
was that around with taking like who was the who's the top five guys in that draft? Was that Iverson, like the, the high school guys. Iverson, Iverson, Stud, Camby. You can't fault that. Pick. Camby is awesome. Shreve Abdurrahim before he gets hurt. He was killer. Cal. Awesome. Stephon Marbury before he goes back to yeah. crazy. Was Marbury awesome. Was Ray hurt. Allen at five. Ray Allen at five. Antoine Walker at six before he pissed all away all of his money. Where did Marbury play college ball? Georgia Tech. That's right. Um, and then uh, and then it gets a little gappy Jeez. until Kobe goes 13, Stoyakovich 14, Nash 15, Jermaine O'Neal 17, the big Z at 20, Derek Fisher 24. Wow, what a draft. Remember, uh, do you guys remember what Tim? What a freaking draft. Did you guys watch Tim Duncan at Wake Forest when he played? I don't. Well, I, I can't sit here and, in all honesty and say I remember watching Tim I don't Duncan, remember watching I, What I do remember is I remember Tim Duncan in college being as ineffective as Shaq was in college, as Matumbo was in college, as Zoe was in college, as Conthony Towns was in college. The big men just, it's just not built for them. He was good. He had a point guard there named Randolph Children. That's right, who played in the NBA. That was amazing. Undersized, in but college. he played in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I thought he was going to be Randolph Children. He, he was memory. awesome. Man, you're just I like those Wake Forest teams. They were good. They were really good. Yeah. And Duncan, know, Duncan was good, but like Andy said, I think kind of what you speak to is those guys, again, they rely on dudes to get them the ball. Well, that's why, that's why I remember, you know, uh, shows you what I know. I mean, I remember thinking, why does every single NBA scout rate Carl Anthony Towns as number one? There was like no confusion that he was better than Okafor. And yet Okafor, to me, was a much more productive college player. I think that Carl Anthony Towns, it was like that old MJ joke, you know, who held MJ under 20 points, Dean Smith. <laughs> I, th- I think I think John Calipari held Anthony Towns. Not that he held him back because he's a bad guy or anything. He just he had a lot of talent on that Kentucky and team. A shit ton of talent. I mean, look at Anthony Davis at Kentucky. Yeah, Devin you Booker know? came off the Anthony bench. Anthony Davis for that team. dominated an NCAA championship game and never scored. Yeah, <laughs> I, I you know it's one the of big those man's th- weird to me in college. I can't call. They, it. they are, and yeah. you remember when? Okay, you don't remember this, but in nineteen was it ninety that the Spurs drafted uh, David Robinson. And he was from the... 1988. The Naval Academy. Naval Academy. And then he came in in 90. Also ineffective You're too in big to put yeah. on a submarine, David. Yes. And he, he came in and you know, did his thing. And his, his 94-95 MVP season was one of, the best MVP, one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a center. It was just dominant. Was that the season that pissed off Hakeem and then... No, you know, I actually looked up that season series. David Robinson didn't play that bad. It's just it, people remember some things. You know, what was interesting about that series that I just well, I actually just watched Clutch City because they did a NBA uh, oh, I TV, need to watch that. had a documentary marathon the other day. And I've seen Clutch City before, but I watched it again. I have not watched it. And I loved those. Robinson that series games. is so fascinating because um, in 95 Western Conference Finals, the Rockets go into San Antonio and win the first two games. Yep. They go back to Houston, and the Spurs win the next two yep. games. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Rockets win the last two games. It's just unbelievable. That was the weirdest. That was, and, and Bob Hill wasn't the greatest coach in the world. He has um, nice gray hair. That wasn't Bob. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, Bob Hill. It was Hill. Bob Hill because uh, he That's replaced. That's before uh, Pop stabbed him in the back. <laughs> and then, be, talk about revisionist history. Nobody liked Bob Greg Hill, though. Pop, Greg Popovich was like the. He was like, Greg Popovich is a saint. He got rid of the devil, which was <laughs> apparently. <laughs> well, that that was like it's like I, he was reviled. People forget this. Greg Popovich was hated for years in the NBA for what he did to Bob Hill. Well, they, it was and, kind of bullshit because yeah. David Robinson's hurt. The Spurs are having a bad year. Shut and, down Sean Elliott. And they could have brought David Robinson back, and I don't know for how many games, but maybe for 15 games. Yeah, 20 right, games. About 20 games. And Bob Hill wanted to bring him back, and David Robinson wanted to come back, and Greg Popovich was like, oh, yeah, you're not doing that. 
and kept uh, showing them highlights of Tim Duncan. He basically fired Bob Hill, told David Robinson, "You're taking the rest of the season off," and they got rewarded for that. They, they won. Got- they won 20 <laughs> games. The Nuggets won 21 games. 21. And that extra damn ping pong ball. They get Tim Duncan. We get Tony Batie. They go to six NBA finals, and we go to the toilet. Well, I will. T- I will say this: Tim Duncan on the Nuggets is not Tim Duncan on on the Spurs. It, 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 his, his, his career would have been a little different. He was, still would have been a fa- great player, but he would not have had. Who would have been career. his rookie year coach? Would it have been Bernie? It would have been Bernie because Bernie quits in no, 90s. no, 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 no. no Bernie quits been, in ninety six. No, no, no. It would have been Bill Hanslick. Hanslick's ninety seven, ninety eight. Yes, that was when he was drafted. Oh, ninety seven. He was drafted in ninety seven. You're right. It would have been Bill Hanslick. Jeff which is correct, been, ladies and gentlemen. It would, it would have been Dan Tony the next year. It would have been Dan Tony. The well, next year. it wouldn't have been because Bill Hanslick instead of winning eleven games, <laughs> he, he would have won. He would have won twelve because <laughs> he would have had Tim Duncan. <laughs> and that Nuggets roster was completely bereft of talent, as as we all know. But the that that was like his career would have been different because he got drafted by a team that had David fucking Robinson on it. Who and again just shows you how history works. And David Robinson, the ultimate mensch. Wouldn't oh, the man. Uh, you know? Oh man, it's just. What's well, like? Look, what's Osweiler learning from Peyton Manning just by osmosis? Mm-hmm. Just by osmosis. You know? yell Omaha. And I mean, I, I throw interceptions <laughs> for Tim Duncan. And, and by the way, and Tim Duncan's the right personality to be with a guy like David Robinson and yep. not to fuck it up. How big would the ratings be? Sorry, should I say things like that on this show? It's that, fine. Uh, yeah, it's fine. fine. You can swear on yeah. podcast. How big would the ratings be for the NBA draft lottery if it was still in a giant clear ball with envelopes <laughs> and Adam Silver reach it? You know, I mean, it's this. Complex, they went to ping pong balls that you know long what, after. No, but you hear that's this complex okay, so number I, system in I, a back Jeff, room that Jeff, sucks. Jeff Morton. Always one, always one who's up for a conspiracy theory. Uh, Jeff and I were conspiracy theorists for many, many years mm-hmm. on the draft. I mean, come on, Cleveland getting LeBron. Bring back the flip phone. But, but, <laughs> when Cleveland got three out of four number one picks, there's no way it's rigged. There's no way it's rigged. And Tim Connolly, our friend and GM of the Nuggets, he told me he was a witness in the room. He's witnessed yeah, the ping pong balls. They don't rig yeah. it. They do not rig it. It's it's like they have an it's algorithm. It's fun for us. It's <laughs> just been here. It's Here's fun. your money for this. It's fun for us to say that it's rigged. It's fun I know, for but us how to say fun would it be server. to have a giant like that big wheel and silver's out there spinning the wheel and reaching into the envelopes? That would be. Exciting. By the way, there was a Everybody proposal. A there was a shake. proposal for the lottery that the Sixers shot down that I really liked. And I think they did. They put you in the trunk. wheel. No, no, no. It wasn't the wheel. The wheel's not viable, and I'll get to that in a moment. I hate um, the wheel. They, I like the wheel, but the, oh. but Zach Lowe missed something on the wheel. Burn the wheel. The problem with the wheel is if you are the biggest stud at Duke this year and you're a freshman and you know that yes. Milwaukee has the first pick this year, but exactly. the Lakers have the first pick next year, you're going to play two more years. And that's the problem with the wheel. Okay. No doubt. There was a proposal, so that was in tranches, if memory serves. So, like, the worst four teams had the same odds, and the next four teams had the same odds, and the Sixers vetoed it. I actually liked that one because it disincentivized the blatant tanking a little bit. I oh, like you the, talk, uh, okay, yeah. I like putting the seventh and eighth seeds of the playoffs into the lottery as well. I think that's awesome. Give or what about the other game. way around, meaning you can play into the lottery, or play into the playoffs if you're a ninth. That was Simmons' argument. Simmons wanted to do that, that fun as hell tournament at the end of the year where, like, yeah. you know. Uh, you could actually get the eighth seed or something. But uh, anyway, we're not going to solve the draft lottery at this No, team, we're not. But. No, no we're but not. I think it would be awesome. Give me the wheel. Give me simplicity. A big, clear ball and Adam Silver reaching in there, pulling out envelopes. Everybody has the same odds. It doesn't have the same kind of theater without David Stern there, who everyone hated. I just, it just I'll tell you what I miss about the lottery is Elgin Baylor. 
There was just nothing Even better they were than there seeing Elgin year. Baylor. Just, and, 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 and here, to show you that I'm topical, in his Bill Cosby sweater. <laughs> oh, my God. Every year, sitting up there. <laughs> Cosby. Oh, my God. God He'd be led off, led off the stage by two cops. I think yeah. Joe Rogan had the best uh, Instagram today. He said something about, you know, Bill Cosby, the dad is, you know, mug shots, rapists, whatever. Donald Trump's leading the Republican primaries right. or whatever, and it's like he's like, Whoa, this is the greatest time to be alive. And he's had hashtag freak party. <laughs> freak party. <laughs> it it's is a, definitely it's like, a freak party. It's a comedian's dream. It it's is. Crazy. Well, uh, anyway, so yeah, that, 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 yeah, you're right though. I mean, you're, it would instill some theater into it because our draft party last year was it's uh, exciting for a minute, but it would be more exciting if there was a big yeah. clear ball. And we had a, hey, I, I, I still think the Moody pick was the right pick. It was mm-hmm. a great pick. And, yeah. and I'm keeping the faith. I finally got to meet him the other day. Great kid. Phenomenal, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, he's I, a kid, though. He's a kid, but I'm, I'm on the Moody bandwagon. I'm not getting off. I like Moody. just seems like the exact type of guy you want yeah. leading your team. Are you the Moody to lead him on, have the Nuggets be led by him? Yes. Mood. Are you in the mood yet? Not just making his bad puns. We got to get out of here. <laughs> Andy, thanks for joining us. We appreciate Guys, it. Guys, this was so special. Yes. I feel like we've done this for a while. Yeah. Can we do this again in of early course. 2016? Yeah. Yes. And if, as I understand it, you might be making an appearance at the 2016 All Star game in Toronto. I will be there with Ross Martin. Our, our, yes. our Ross is going to be because he's still going to be there. <laughs> no, actually, I will. <laughs> quick plug, quick plug. I'm involved in an organization called Giants of Africa, which Masai started. It's, it's basketball camps for aspiring players in Africa. We don't just teach them basketball skills. We teach them life skills. And uh, we shot a documentary last summer. Oh, very cool. And we went to five countries together, and the documentary crew came with us to these five countries. Wow, yeah. I saw a rough cut of the, of the documentary. It will be called Giants of Africa. It's unbelievable. Are you a ball boy in it? Uh, I have a few probably very, you know, tangential cameo appearances. But um, <laughs> it's a phenomenal. I saw the, like I said, I just saw the trailer. The director is a friend of mine. I haven't seen the final cut. We're going to debut it Thursday night of the All-Star Game. And we're going to do a screening in Denver about huh. a year later after it does the festival circuit. And you two better be there. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get a lot of people there. We're going to try to get Messiah back to Denver, give a little speech. It's going to be a great night. Oh, yeah. And then are people going to be able to, to purchase this DVD? Yeah, form? all that will be available. Yeah, that. Uh, but like I said, it'll debut cool. at the All-Star Game. And then I think it gets submitted to all the festivals, which I think is for the fall of 16. So keep an eye out for Giants of Africa. Oh, man. Love and it. You can go to giantsofafrica.org, and you can learn all about the organization. Fantastic. Very cool. All right, on that note, let's get out of here. We'll see you guys Thanks for coming week. on, Andy. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Bye.